on the Rebel Sports Network. From Learfield, this is the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. This is your home for the UNLV Rebels. Now, here are your hosts, Caleb Herring and the voice of the Rebels, Russ Langer. Well, thank you very much for joining us in the Marcus Arroyo Show, along with Caleb Herring and Steve Cofield. I am Russ Langer, and we're very pleased to be presenting this edition of the Marcus Arroyo Show. At Rebels coming off a tough loss this past Saturday at Cal 20-14. to 14. Coach, how are you? Great, guys. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. We're going to get right into the uh, nitty-gritty of the end of the game, and we'll kind of break down the Cal game throughout the game and start looking ahead to North Texas. So I was around you a couple times, uh, you know, during the post game, and then the Monday uh, press conference, and, you know, you talked about, hey, this is a game that we could have won. We let slip away. So, you know, now that you've thought about it for a few days, what are your thoughts about the Cal game? Well, yeah, it's funny, three, three days away from the game, it's, it's hard to go back to it. I'm, I'm three days into the next opponent, but I, I just uh, – <laughs> It's crazy how fast we, we turn the page, but I think that, uh, you know, again, I, I, I'd be reiterate, I just think that there, we're so much better at understanding how, how, how hard it is to earn a game and how much better we are at uh, of expecting and believing. I mean, the levels of expectations and belief and mindset right now in this group in this year's team is awesome, man. Um, and to see them deal with the adversity, the slow start, respond, fight, to see the guys we've recruited really, really get into that game and make a difference and, and look at your roster at a, at a level versus a power five team um, on the road that's apparently been a really good defense was, was awesome. And there was a lot of really good stuff that came out of it, and we were not, we were not just excited about any moral victories. I think disappointed because we really believed to win that game. We let that game get away. We played them uh, down to the wire. I think our offense had a great effort. Our defense played, uh, did a great job of, of, of uh, making some corrections in the second half, and it was theirs for the taking. So I think uh, – the disappointment was real. It wasn't something we're just – it's no longer just okay to, to be in a game, to be competitive, and, 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 to, uh, and, and to have that, that sense of mind. So it's been awesome uh, for these guys to be a little bit, little bit angry this week. It's awesome. Let's talk about what Cal did defensively. You know, we mentioned before the game that Justin Wilcox, a uh, great defensive coach, you have a lot of respect for him. They really turned up the heat uh, on what you know, really turned out to be your last real scoring chance uh, around the 10-yard line there. What do they throw at you? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't give too much stuff. There's, there's a couple things there that we had the ability to do that uh, that didn't give it. Number one was was make a play on first down. You know, we had a we had right play call on there, and and uh, we got a shot to win. What we call a shot to win, and uh, we got to make that play. You know, those are the pressure situations that that uh, every kid grows up in the backyard trying to hit the home run with a full count or whatever it may be, and and uh, you got it there in front of you, and you got to take it. And so. Um, and I think the next few downs right behind it, um, including the, the start of that last that last minute drive, there were some opportunities that, that we could have grabbed. You know, there were some there were some pressure situations. There were some some added some added pressures and things like that. Some things that we were able to we were able to talk through, and we understand how what we has to get done. You just got to do them in that moment. And uh, and I think that we're going to learn from that a lot. Let's listen to the uh, TV call of the Brumfield to Robbins play that just came up short. Robbins motions into the backfield. Leaks out. Brumfield looking, flips it to him, and it just is over his hand. And, and you talked about uh, that being basically just a pitch-and-catch situation because it worked out, I think, the way you wanted it to, right, from a play design standpoint? 
We did, yeah. We had we had the call on. We wanted, got in pressure, and and had our back in the flat by himself. Uh, just one of those ones that just got away. And so, uh, again, nothing they can do about it now. We're not crying over spilt milk, but we got that'll that'll live there for a minute for us. And I think it's going to be something we're going to grow from in a positive way. Here's the uh, fourth down place. So you got fourth and goal on the eight. You know, I asked you on Monday about uh, Kyle Williams being the intended receiver, and you said yeah, and then paused a little bit. But let's uh, have the audience hear Russ's call on this play, and also Caleb's reaction. Brumfield out of his shotgun, steps forward, hollers out some instructions. Here comes another blitz. Brumfield is pressured, fires for the end zone, incomplete. There's got to be a flag. Kyle Williams gets thrown to the ground there, and there's no flag. There's got to be a flag on that play. Caleb, calm down. But it was it was a heated moment, and I, you know, I, I, coach, I know you can't say too much. About I'm glad it. I wasn't. I'm glad I wasn't mic'd. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I mentioned during the press conference. You know, this is the kind of plays you can't do much about afterwards. You know, you send it to a conference or wherever you send it to. Um, you know, out, out of that play, just the play itself, was it developing the right way? Yeah, no, we had we had a one-on-one situation over there. It's it's going to be. I mean, there's a million plays we could have called. We got a situation there in a one-on-one, and, and it's just unfortunate it ended up like that, and it, and it got into those. It got to where we had to rely on that. So, um, you know, it is what it is, and and I, I can't I, I can't tell you what what it is or why it is that that that, that uh the, the result was the result, but um, it is. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad I didn't get any letters talking about I can't be doing that because I I couldn't control the reaction, obviously, Coach. Um, there with that soundbite, but. That situation in and of itself, the whole uh, atmosphere of being goal to go with a game on the line there, is there any way that you can quantify that, um, what it does as far as developing and maturing as a team, as an offense, as individual players to be in that situation on the road? Uh, to quantify it, I, I don't, I don't, for us, for, for the guys in the game and guys who play this and like you, you were in it, you remember those because they're, they're so visceral. Um, if I was to put it in layman's terms, it's it's anything that happens in your in in in, in someone's life that is so, that's dramatic, um, or that has such a that's such an impact. You remember, like you remember very vividly where you were, what you were wearing, what the climate was, where you know you remember that so vividly because it's so jarring, you know. And I think that I that, that I give that example because for let's use the quarterbacks, the offense, defense of our team. Uh, that is the that is what they remember the most now, and then so you get to use that as fuel. When you say you know that old cliche, when you say fuel, it's not a cliche. It's it is real because it's it's so such a visual response. You don't even need to remind some guys now. Like we, we're getting some situations now. The rest of the season, there's and then there was plays from last year that some of these guys were here for. They're like that was this play versus Utah State. Hey, that was this play versus San Jose. Hey, that's that play versus Cal. Let's go. Um, and you don't those those end up being fuel for your fire as a coach because. It's such a pressurized situation, and it's such a, a, a vivid response and memory, and the visceral the scarring of that is something that guys just they have in their stomach, man. And so you get to use that, and hopefully you have most you have a lot of those also that are positive, and I think we do. Um, I think there's some really good stuff that we've done um, and are doing that that have give these guys reminders. But those those that's why you can that's how you quantify it to me why those things are so important and why they lead to such growth. Coach uh, Russ Langer here. I just wanted to ask you about the penalties because during the course of the game, Cal was gifted with seven first downs as a result of a rebel penalty. So what are some of the ways that can be addressed? That's an interesting word you used. I won't use the same one. I'll, I will get probably in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, on our end of the ball, we've been a disciplined outfit, and, and when we coach that way, that, that's the style of play. That is not, that is not how we – we have not been – 
uh, step in here, a team that has been, um, you know, that, that egregious in that, in that regard. And he can't be because when you have that many penalties versus a quality opponent, it makes it really hard. I mean, ironically, I said that in the show, um, I think we had during the bye week was I used the examples of the penalties and some of those games that week that were huge. There were some teams had like 12 for like 150 and they lost by like three points to, you know, maybe a, a, a smaller division team. I you, you can't give those pieces away. Now I can't control them either. Some of them, you know, some of them are effort plays, some of them are technically, some of them are, you don't believe they're penalties, right? And, and at the end of the day, it really don't matter. What can we do to fix them? Um, and especially the ones that we can highlight as technique um, and fundamentals, we jump right on. And because they end, up, they end up piling up, they convert first downs, they so on and so forth. So um, we just got to eliminate those, and we, and we will. Well, let's talk about pass coverage. Uh, first, Caleb, and then Coach. Caleb, you thought the Beaudry coverage was actually pretty good, and you were saying that was legal to face guard? Yeah, it, it's one of those things that the, the face guarding aspect of it is, is people say you have to look back for the ball as a defender, and you're caught in a good position where you, you, you got the coverage there, and they want you to look back also and make a play on the ball. That's if there's illegal contact, and I didn't think that there was illegal contact by Beaudry. There's some hand fighting going on down the field, and I think he played it as probably as good as you could, especially for a linebacker out in that situation, probably as good as you could. So it's those things where I think it's questionable to me, and I think the clear understanding of the rule for from a defender standpoint is is probably something that is ambiguous at this point like the, some reps might call that some reps might not and I, I thought from my perspective great coverage especially with like I said a linebacker down the field on on one of their top playmakers out of the backfield coach Arroyo what'd you tell Beaudry uh, about that coverage well I mean we gotta look back at it I mean I thought it was in good position I mean there's just one of those deals where you know, it, the only thing that would that would alleviate it, that unfortunately would be if he did look back would be the difference in like the guy saying he's he's not he's not there. But there was some hand fighting. They were they were they were they were together. I, I don't know. It's it's a it's one of those calls. It's a, it's it's a judgment call, and it didn't go well. Right? Marcus Arroyo radio show on this Wednesday. Let's take a break here. Today's show is brought to you by SNWA. Hey, Rebel fans, Lake Mead is at historic lows. you got to change your watering clock to your three assigned days in September through October. It's the law. you got to find your mandatory watering days at SNWA.com. All right, and we'll be back with a whole lot more with Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Show. Russ Langer here with Steve Cofield and Caleb Herring, and stay with us. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here with the Marcus Arroyo Show along with Steve Cofield and Caleb Herring and Coach Arroyo, Russ Langer with you. You know, the friendly staff at Pueblo Medical Imaging is eager to take care of all your radiology needs and offers same-day, next-day availability. With top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art equipment, they're open seven days a week with early morning and evening appointments to accommodate all patient schedules. Pueblo Medical Imaging. Coach, going back, if you could, back in time again to the Cal game. Um, one of the things that we, uh, watching the game and reviewing it in my mind, is looking at Doug's performance and maybe the offensive slow start as a whole. Um, after a, a solid performance in, against Idaho State and in the bye week, do you feel that maybe there's any pressure from like a psychological mentality standpoint where to try to duplicate that performance uh, maybe contribute to the slow start? I know there's a lot of things that you probably have tried to pinpoint for the slow start, but do you think that that is one of those things where you're pressing to, to be as good or as efficient and because of that, maybe a little jitter set in? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Um, you know, Kelly, you played the position. Um, it could be that. I, I didn't feel like he was pressing. I think that the, the thing about it's a little bit, you know, overstated sometimes in regards to the full the full gamut is is that it takes so many people around guys, around the quarterback, you know. When the quarterback starts pressing, it means everything else is straight and he's just missing some stuff. Well, we weren't. We were we had a couple drop balls. We had some. We had a couple protection deals. We had, you know, there was some, there was some snafus in regards to some stuff that was going on. Now, we weren't perfect back there because – uh, by no stretch of imagination, um, do we want to? Do we want to be? You know, do we think that we were played in, uh, perfect back there? But I think, I think that just shows still that we're not. You know, Doug's still in. You know, start six or seven, whatever it may be, still early on. And and uh, and I said this after the game um, uh, two weeks ago, and in that opener, I said we just got to be careful. You, there's a long way to go. Big season, one big game doesn't doesn't mean that well, all of a sudden we got to go build statues. And I told him that, and I told the whole group that we got to continue to be. We got to we got to find consistency. We got to do it again. We got to prove it over and over and over and over again. And there's going to be some setbacks, and you got to overcome it. And uh, and so I think there was a good job uh, in down down the stretch there of doing some good things. But early on, you got to get fast. You got to get on a fast start if you're playing good football teams. Man, we knew that. We knew that they're really stingy on defense, and so you got to be a catalyst early on versus good teams. And talking about that, going against a good team, especially, and from an offensive standpoint and play caller standpoint. How important is it to be able to establish a rhythm? Because I know there's a lot of things in, in every playbook that build on each other. Um, just the fact that you weren't able to s- sustain drives and kind of get to a clearer picture of what they were game planning and how they were attacking you guys from a defensive standpoint. How much was that a factor early on, just not being able to put drives together and stay on the field? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple layers to that as a play called. you got to kind of feel out where you guys are at, what they're doing. And then you've also got some things in your head that you're trying to run together. Like you said, they're packaged together. And so, um, you know, if you're not in complete rhythm or you're not in, you're not in, uh, you know, down in distances that are, that are that are compelling in regards to what you believe how the how the drives we put together um then yeah it gets a little bit herky-jerky whether it i'll be okay i gotta settle a guy down hey one guy's not one guy needs a little bit of this hey we need to maybe back off on this or hey we need a little more of that uh hey we're buying the sticks a little bit or there's or, or that's a different look than we anticipated hey we gotta get out of this call and something else so um and i'm not to say all those things happen but that is a play caller and rhythm one of those things can happen at any time i think uh, for us, it's 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 a uh, it's a feel. For me, most importantly, is just do I feel like the guys are in rhythm together? Um, do we know what's going on in front of us? And uh, and so I got you. Got, you got to kind of play caller, be ready to roll, kind of in any in, in either direction. Because if they don't get off to a good start, you got to be ready to help them out. I think one of the things in the second half, especially that I notice is I know there you've, there's been a lot of talk, and you've emphasized this and made no secrets about it uh, about being a big play team and being able to make explosive plays. Um, but in the second half, it seemed like it was almost a mindset change where it's like, hey, we got something that's working with this line going and, and the run game and, and controlling the trenches there. How, what kind of confidence does that give you as a play caller to say like, okay, we can come out and play this brand of football. We want to be explosive and that's fine, but we can come out against a, a solid front seven and move the trenches, control the line of scrimmage and, and get off a, a quality rushing game. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a mentality there for sure. I mean, the, the mentality we've had since bitter is, is is to be aggressive and try to be explosive. And in that game, it was almost even. I mean, I think they had 11% big explosive. We were like 10.9. Um, you know, we I think we had eight. I think we had eight plays, eight passing plays. They had 10 passing plays of explosive plays. I think we had three big runs. They had two big runs. It was you know two big runs of 12 and one big run of 20. They had one and one. I mean, it was damn even across the board versus a team that's damn stingy man we knew there wasn't going to be a ton of those and we want to be as as close as we can i think when it came to settling down and putting it and putting the run game and letting the aiden pound on them a little bit 
I think I felt like we got a little bit of we got a little bit going on there. Um, I really enjoyed the way that the, the line started coming off the ball and surging in on a couple of the runs earlier on. So I went back to that a little bit. Um, I felt like there was some schematic stuff that I felt comfortable with after seeing what their plan was that that uh, that lended to some of the run game stuff that we had planned and and and, and we pounded them and our guys were were excited about it. That was. I tell you, that's the one thing. Looking back, and I said this in the press conference that, that we didn't get pushed around, man. And that's that is a that is an awesome thing to see early on, especially with the O line, especially with where we were, especially in comparison to where we were versus Power Five teams last year. You know, it's like owning the line of scrimmage is a big dang deal, man. And uh, that was really good to see. We got a whole lot coming up on the uh, second half, but last couple things on the first, and we want to get to the Kyle uh, Williams touchdown here in just a couple minutes. I did notice you come over. You mentioned some of the drops with the wide receivers. I did notice you come over in the first half early on, maybe after two series, and and talk to the receivers. And when do you pick those spots when, hey, you know what, it's time for the head coach to get in here and talk to these guys about just calming down? Well, that was early on because I saw that, that first drop by Kyle was uncharacteristic, and then I saw some – some uncharacteristic things, you know, as we kind of go on, I say, hey, these guys, they're not, they're not settled in a little bit, you know, and they need to settle in and just take a big deep breath and relax. And um, I don't think they were overwhelmed. I think that that's, I don't say that to say my guys were like, you know, that they were going, oh man, we're not supposed to be here. I think sometimes it can be they're overexcited. Sometimes they feel they're, they're, they're yeah. too excited to be out there and you just calm down and go, um, you know, and I think that that's a little bit what it was. And shoot, our guys have done a great job playing catch. They're doing a great job of pass efficiency overall. And, and uh, and they settled down and they got back into the rhythm. There was a couple drops that were uncharacteristic that we would definitely want in a tight game. But um, I'll take that opportunity, Steve, anytime that, that I think that I can jump in there and articulate something that, I, that, that that's inherent in a game that I that I that I know well. And then when things started working, I also noticed you came over and you were talking about the middle of the field and you were talking about, you know, concepts and kind of the back end and like trusting in what we're running here. Keep going with it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some things that uh, that we talked about. We made a, a couple adjustments on a couple things, and and there was a, a big play, I think, to Ricky late in that across the middle, which was one example of things I was talking about as far as windows and and how to keep running through them and, and work through and telling Doug to work through the progressions. Um, that's something that I think early on, uh, I think something we talk about a lot is just trusting the progression and getting through it and understanding where guys need to be and, and the responsibility of a compliment player. And that would be like a guy second or third in the read or a check down, you know, and, and getting to those guys and going, Hey, you understand you're a compliment guy. You may have got this one out of five times, but I'm telling you right now, it's always alive. And so those came to fruition a little bit later. Um, but there was a couple we missed too. We used to call them health routes back back when I played. That, that people had to, you had to appreciate the health route because you never know when you're going to get your number called, right? Like you're just the out there conditioning. <laughs> but, yeah, no, a health route. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, you, you can take that one. I'll, I'll let you take that one, coach. But, yeah, no, I don't want that one. I want to compliment. I feel bad. Like guys are conditioning. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's some adversity sprinkled throughout this game, and I, I, I we we kind of have documented, you know, Jack Plummer was good on third downs. There's some big conversions that he had for Cal offensively. Going down 14 points early is, is never, you know, a good thing. Um, and even late in the game, you know, not being able to convert on fourth and goal to go to take the lead there, the defense came mm-hmm. out and responded. And I think that's what I want to focus on here is I think you learn a lot about people, not just that they go through adversity because everybody goes through that, but how the team responded. Being down 14 early, um, uh, giving up third down conversions, kind of playing the next set of downs has been something, I think that's the way you phrased it in seasons past, was giving up a third mm-hmm. down conversion is one thing, but playing the next down. How do you feel the team responded in that sense? Well, I mean, if it, I mean, we, we all watch the game. I mean, you'd be down 14 and to, to rally back and have, 
you know, you guys aren't on the field. Steve's down there a little bit, you may, but there's certain things you can hear on the sideline when either you're up or you're down. Like there was things you can hear in week one when you're up big and things are going and I'm listening for the right wordage and the right demeanor and the right mindset, the right, the right type of cues that are being, uh, that are on the sideline. And I'm demanding those because those are habits, right? And those habits form you. Um, and it's no different if you're down by 14. So I was listening for the, the alternate to that. And what I was listening to was something that was, a, was more mature than where we've ever been in regards to what they were articulating to each other and, 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 and to play the next set of downs, to understand the cycle of the snap, to be able to calm down and work together on a string and play 11, 11 man football. And, and uh, it was really good to hear. It was really good to hear so early in, in, in season with, with, again, a handful of guys in the two deep that are out there for the first time on a big stage. And I just, I, I just, it's empowering and it's fire. It, it fires me up as a, as a staff and as a coach to see your guys uh, talking about it that way and, and to respond that way, not just talk about it. Then they responded too, right? I mean, they went back and made plays and that's just really healthy to see with, with, with 10 games left, man. It's, it fires me up. All right. We've wrapped up this segment of the Marcus Arroyo Show. We appreciate you tuning in. The Rebels are back in action at Allegiant Stadium this Saturday, a noon kickoff against North Texas. They are 2-1. and one. Rebels will be coming in 1-1. One and one. We invite you to stick around for more of the Marcus Arroyo Show and the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. Five men up front for Cal. First and ten. And the pitch goes to Kyle Williams, who goes an end around to the 10-5. He's in for a touchdown. Whoa, what a play by Kyle Williams. And I'll tell you one thing, Caleb. Once he turned the corner, he was gone. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here with the Marcus Arroyo Show along with Steve Cofield and Caleb Herring and Coach Arroyo, Russ Langer with you. Up your gym game at EOS Fitness, a proud partner of UNLV. Join today for as low as $9.99 per month. Come visit online or join at joineos.com. Joineos.com. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. As we visit uh, further with head coach Marcus Arroyo, uh, Marcus, during the press conference uh, on Monday, I wanted you to expand on something that you mentioned regarding the uh, the substance of the sideline chatter that you're able to hear and what that reveals about the team's mindset. Well, I mean, it's 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 no different than than uh, than any of us just to be able to be around guys in, in high stakes pressure situations and and to hear guys respond. I think we talked about it a little bit um, earlier in the year. You know, we had an off season that was that was. Uh, that was pretty demanding. You know, we there's a lot of things that, that we had to get done after the first full season that we felt like um, we had to really grab a hold of, and we could make a, a big impact if we really chose. We really chose to to all get in and 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 uh, together um, attack certain things. And one of them was the ability to uh, the ability to work through some 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 uncomfortable situations together, and how we communicate and. Uh, the words we say and in, in, in pressurized situations be player led and how they articulate to each other what exactly they want to get done. Um, I think that, you know, when you're young, you, there's a lot of ways and, and a lot of these guys are from different places. A lot of new guys they haven't been together a long time. It's easy when, if, when, when friends or family have been together a long time to, to have a sense of camaraderie or chatter that, that uplifts everybody. There's, there's a connectedness that they trust what's coming out of their mouth. Well, we got 105 guys and they, they haven't been together that long. So there's a lot of times there's some things certain guys may say and other guys may look back like, hey, man, that's not the right time. Or better yet, they may listen to it. And so that hasn't happened. Um, we spend a lot of time in the offseason, guys working on how to how to uh, bond together and how to work through a little adversity and how to communicate and how to be neutral thinkers and what kind of words come out of our mouth and how powerful those words are. And, and uh, 
that's just in our opinion for our mindset and our program um, a really important thing because it, it's such a, a big factor in, in a long season, let alone a long game. Talking about the long game there and, and, and that play, we heard the highlight coming back in with Kyle Williams on that fly sweep. I, I just want to touch on one of the schematic things. How do you coach that play? It seems like there's a tendency for, for players. And Kyle Williams showed, I think, what I, what, I, what I would be the ideal way to run that, which is to trust the edge and, and, and get the edge. But how do you coach that and, and, and get guys to be disciplined on, on getting around that corner and just using their speed and letting it fly? Because not everybody can run it as effectively, I think, as Kyle's been at running it this season. Yeah, yeah. So um, there is a piece of that, especially because he's a wide receiver. He's not used to kind of being – as the ball snapped him in the backfield, it's a little bit different than down the field. He's got to kind of understand how the blocking is. So I think, you know, our, our, a lot of times we'll take it and we'll deconstruct it. And I have Kyle not run the run. I'll have him stand back on the side of the, that is being blocked so we can see how it develops and then go run the run from the other side. So he has a feel for, okay, I saw how that's going to be blocked. I'm going to have to either turn, get this on the edge, probably pass the hash, or I got another guy coming. that's going to run down the alley and I can dice this thing straight at the middle. So uh, that's one way we teach it is, is certain things like that. I think if you deconstruct them, instead of having them run it and try to feel it out, just let them watch it. Like let them watch the blocking. Oh, okay. I see what's going on. Cause a lot of times those guys, like yeah, I think what you're alluding to code, they go out there, they don't know how it's blocked and they just try to make it up on their own. And that just becomes, you know, I get the old line coach using the background going, what's he doing? You know, where did he go? Does he know what's going on? And you know, you're like, Oh, golly. Um, so I've made that mistake before. I don't do that anymore. So let's talk about the defense. I know, Caleb, you wanted to ask about uh, two-minute drills, and you know we're always talking offense. but Yeah, there's, a, there's an aspect to it. The situational football works both ways, right? Like it's a situational thing for it to get the last two-minute drive of a half or of a game, obviously. But there's an element of that that's huge for defenses where getting off the field and maybe getting the offense back. We had an example of that in this game, um, in both situations actually for a defense. The end you have – and not give up points before the half uh, to a Cal team that was trying to add to their lead. And then also at the end of the game um, to get the ball back for your offense for another chance to go down and have a game-winning drive. What do those kind of defensive stops do in those two-minute situations? And how do you, how do you coach for that in, in essence? Yeah, that's a, that's a great. So those are critical situations. I mean, before half, it's I think we, uh, you know, it's called there's middle eight. There's a there's an analyte called middle eight scoring, and that's a big thing we kind of talk about a little bit before a half. And whether you're on defense or offense, um, it, it gives you momentum going into the second half. And I think that uh, you saw that in week one with some of the stuff we did um, with the with the ball in our hand, and then in week two the defense had it, you know, and so then we had to get then we they got it done, and we got to respond. We got to respond with it. So. It's really good to get those situations. We work on them a lot. We've got, I think we've got a mature group, uh, more mature group than last year. Um, We've got a lot of new guys with it. So we've really magnified it and and enhanced the importance of it. And uh, we do it every week um, on both sides of the ball. And um, it was really good to see our defense in both those situations in the second half. And they're different, right? Because the second end of the second half is different than end of game, the end of game for the defense they're trying to get them off but the you're also trying to hold them if, if, if anything to a field goal um at the end of the half and at the end of the game you're trying to hold them to scoring zero for offense it's the same thing you know you're trying to get the ball and a half to score to get out in field goal range maybe to get points at the end of the game you may need a touchdown to go so um there's there's a bunch of uh there's a bunch of really important coaching points in both those and i thought the defense um last week did a really nice job in that two minute and and we'll build off that so let's go specifically to the defensive line where right now uh, they're creating a lot of sacks nine sacks for the team five on the defensive line here is darius johnson getting in and picking up a sack plumber two-step drop he's pressured he's in heavy traffic and he's going to get sacked 
at the 41-yard line. The Rebels putting on a good show right there, and there to come crashing in for the Rebels to grab that sack was Darius Johnson, the defensive lineman. I think there's five sacks now on uh, amongst the defensive linemen, five different guys. I talked to uh, Coach Bojay today, the defensive line coach, and asked him about uh, how is that line coming up with so much action with the sacks. Again, it's in the work. I think, you know, to, to be able to show up on Saturday, you got to put in the work in between the week um, and the crucial days, just like on Tuesday and Wednesday when they'll be practice. But the way that those guys actually work on Mondays and Sundays, they prep, they work. When we get out over here to do the drills and pass rush, they understand it. And then when we go to go against our opponent, they're picking up the notes I'm giving them and then they're, they're using it in the game. So they're, they're great. Now, again, sacks just come off of effort as well. So that just builds into practicing the right habits. Yeah, so practicing the right habits, we've seen obviously the impact of those technically-wise, but what does it do for a defensive scheme? Um, and yeah, From a quarterback standpoint, I, I, <laughs> I could tell you what it does, but what does it do when you are able to, <laughs> to create pressure with the guys up front, just with them, without having to add any exotic pressures behind it, when the D-line can get after the way the Rebels have so far? Man, there's nothing better than that. I mean, we we talk about it till we're blue in the face, man. When you can when you can win in the, tr- win in the trenches, especially a D line, and you put pressure on a quarterback, um, it is such a it's such a game changer. And right now, you know, like 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 Coach alluded to, and like you started talking about, they're doing a real good job of preparing for it too. I mean, the way they're working individual drills, the way they're working in pods, the way they're working in unit hookups, uh, with the effort and, and the demand he's asking. I mean, there's a ton of discipline that goes into that too. There's some of those games and stunts. You really have to trust each other and where you're going, and you've got to do it. You can't get out of that can't get out of that gap, and you've got to trust other guys coming. You see them playing together in that regard, which is really nice because one guy may be an assist, one guy's a pick stunt, and that guy's Carl Malone. He's not going to get a he's not getting a he's not getting the stat for the pick, but you know the other guy's getting the, getting the points for the layup. Um, and they're doing it violent, man. They're doing it physical. They're they're playing fast. And I think the, the 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 worst thing for an offense is when a defensive line you're playing feels confident about getting the quarterback. Man, they, they pin their ears back, and, and, and you know you got to start getting creative. So I know it's interesting. We, you talked about it earlier this week in the press conference, and I've, I've heard things that I want to kind of dig into a little bit just from a preparation standpoint, talking about the D-line and how they prepare. How much collaboration are you, are you able to get from a coaching staff, like defensive guys versus offensive guys, where you're saying, hey, this is what that stunt or that twist is trying to do to your offensive line from a defensive standpoint? Do you got something in the back you could counter that with? How much collaboration do you do, and, and vice versa from an offense standpoint? And you talked about how play action pass can can mess up eye discipline and, and manipulate the defensive right. scheme on the back end. Do, are you? Right. Is there enough time on a week to week basis as a coaching staff to say, "Oh, that's what they're trying to do"? You know, helping the defensive guys out. This is how you counteract it, or this is how I would beat it, or this is the weakness of that offense. Yeah, there's 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 not much time in a week for. For, for the schedules we have, but there, if there's ever anything that we see and we're kind of, you know, we, we, we absolutely will ask questions. I mean, we got, I got, we got some great ball coaches in the building who've been around a lot of ball and uh, I, I'll be the first one to ask a question. If I'm like, Hey, tell me a little bit more about this. And this may be new, something I haven't seen, or am I, do I understand this right? Um, or maybe something that, that I've got an idea on. I'm like, Hey, would this work to defeat that? And so I'll go right in there. I mean, our offensive defensive staff is right next to each other. I mean, I, they, we keep the doors open. I may just say, hey, come in here, you know, and come here, I got a question. Watch, <laughs> watch this. Um, uh, and so I think those things are good. But, but Gary, those are, those are things also in the offseason when you go to get the other staff. Um, we do a ton of preparation in the offseason, spending time together, 
uh, not only with ourselves, but I mean, that's where you go out and you visit a staff and you go watch what they do. Hey, give me some ideas you're doing in protection. What are some things to give you some problems in your slide? Give me some things you do in five man protection. Hey, what's your seven man protection? If you need zero, you know, what are some thoughts da, 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 da. And so I think, um, you work on those answers, those, what we call answer sheets and things like that. We prepare those in the off season and then you take them with you into the season you put them on the board or you have them in front of you whenever you're preparing. You're like, Hey, that was, remember we talked about this in the off season. We're going to do this versus that. And so you get right to it. You know, you've talked about this team being closer, you know, in, in many groups, uh, uh, on the squad and, you know, much closer than the, the first couple of years as head coach. And, you know, I got a good story today from, uh, Coach Boje, Feely Moiatu. I think I got it right there. Uh, I'm gonna keep trying, yeah, I'm going to keep practicing that. Yeah. But when I talked to him, um, he was actually he, – he actually I thought he was going to cry. Um, he, was, he actually got a little emotional because he just got a gift the other day, and he explained that the guy stepped up, and they noticed something, and they gave him a gift. It broke me down that, that during that meeting. Really? Afterwards, they, after we met, um, they had a little gift bag for me. And they're like, Coach, this is all from all of us. And it was Naki handing it to me, and – you know, he had it in the bag, and he said, Coach, we're thankful for everything you've done, and gave it to me, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. I opened it up, it's a new pair of headphones. <laughs> and they said they saw me with, at Cal, I had my iPhone 7 headphones in. Yeah, you know, I'm very cheap, so just, <laughs> I had it for a long time, so I ended up just, and then Naki saw it, then he got the group together, they all tipped in and got me some new beats. Nice. So I was very grateful, I'm very, very appreciative of these guys. I do see the growth, and I, I care for them deeply. I think my wife does as well, my kids. So, Coach Arroyo, what's your reaction, you know, when you hear about or hear, you know, that kind of story on your team? Well, I'm, first thing because of mine is we break down. You guys are, you guys who have been on the field and watch us practice, sometimes you hear us break it down family whenever I break them down at the end of, of something big. It's just good that that means something. I think that we've all been on teams or places where you, you know, get a breakdown, you get a break, hey, family on me, family on three, and you break down family. Well, is it real or is that just what you hope for, you know? And I think – that speaks for itself there. That's 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 kind of what we're working on right now, man. It's it's awesome. It is really truly awesome. It's not it's not there's no frauds in this building right now when it comes to being together. Head coach Marcus Arroyo and the Marcus Arroyo show rolls on after this break. This is the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Friends, summer is finally over. UNLV football is back. Pretty soon, it'll be time to fire up the furnace on your home. If your heating system may have trouble coming out of its summer hibernation, give the Yes Man a call to get your system tuned up and ready for football season. Call Yes Air Conditioning and Plumbing, 702-888-4937, 702-888-4937, or visit them at www.theyesmancan.com to set up an appointment today. But here, onside kick, the onside kick. off. Rebels with an onside kick. Let's see. Let's see. The Rebels say they have it. Let's see. Onside kick by Gutierrez. And the Rebels are jumping up and down, celebrating. I don't see a call from the official yet. However, everybody down yep, there. The Rebels fire. have it. The Rebels have it. All right, be truthful, Russ. And we'll get Coach in here in a second. Did you put the stop sign up at some point with a hand? Uh, no, both hands. <laughs> Caleb got very excited. Russ is like, okay, I deliver the play-by-play. Calm down. But it, but it was. I mean, it was a super exciting play and a jarring play. Yeah, yeah I think that's, it was the perfect Time to have it. That's that's evidence that it was the perfect time to call an outside kick, right? So what what goes into the timing of that? I mean, obviously, for you to, to roll the dice out there after a score and say we're going to steal a possession here, what goes into the timing of that as a head coach to say go ahead and do it? 
Well, we watched, you know, you watched, watching a film, you put it in, you practice it, and then you're looking for a couple things on the first couple, on, on, on other kickoff situations. Um, I felt good about what we saw. I didn't want to do it to open the half. I felt like that was too obvious. I said, when we're going out, we're going to go down and score. When we go down and score and we come back, we'll deflate this place a little bit, and uh, and they'll be thinking about licking their wounds and rallying each other. And while they're doing that, we'll, we'll, we'll bunt it and we'll go get it. And that worked out. Yeah, I mean, I, it worked out. Got the recovery. There's something that happened on that play, and it happened a couple times in, spe- in special teams when Fred Tompkins made his presence felt. Um, so the, when you see a guy like that on special teams, and we've heard stories in the past at, at different levels, guys like Terrell Davis who made a name for themselves on special teams first and then worked their way into the offensive, defensive side of the ball. When you see that as a head coach and that violence and that physicality from Fred uh, on a couple of those special teams plays, does that – kind of give you the hint or, or give you some messaging that he's ready to get some more reps on the defensive side? Well, I mean, we saw that recruiting Fred. We, we've talked about Fred for for quite some time now. We talked about Fred when recruiting him. We talked about Fred the other day getting 40 snaps and being in there and mixing it up right away and being from sideline to sideline. We've recognized that as we've seen him practice. I've had to slow him down against ourselves um, at times in camp. Um, he plays on he plays on high all day, man. Um and I, I think he's just been – he's just continued to do what we know he's going to do. I mean, he, he'll smack you now. I mean, we saw that. That guy was uh, – I don't know. I think he tried to order a cheeseburger, hold the cheese by the time he, by the time he got up. And, <laughs> no. um, the, dude, uh, the, the, the dude plays hard, man. He's, he's awesome. He's great to be around. He loves football. Um, and and uh, he's a violent physical player. And, and that, that's the dominant trait we saw on film as we recruited him, and that's showing up. Fred Tompkins making uh, game-changing plays, and then Jare Williams on the doorstep before Cal comes up with this INT. Plummer takes the snap, two-step drop. The pass is intercepted by the Rebels to the 10, out toward the 15 before he is finally tackled. In to make that interception for the Rebels was Jare Williams. Jare Williams making his presence felt, interceptions, tackles from that nickel position. I wanted to touch on this before we dive into Jare. Those two turnovers were big moments for the team. Yeah, the defense creating one, special teams creating one. But unfortunately, the, we talk about the inability to capitalize on those kind of things. I know the offense sputtered throughout the game, but does it have any more significance to you as a, as a play caller, as a, as in the feel on the sideline even, when you're not able to capitalize on the turnovers that the team creates? It is. It is. And I think that depends when that happens, when the moment of the game when that happens. You don't want it to all of a sudden just take – take t- total control of what's go- what else is going on, how much left in the game. But, but uh, y- those capitalizing on things like that and that momentum, especially against quality opponents um, and, and early in the season, lead to a lot of belief and a lot of momentum. And so you, you want them so bad for your group. Uh, you want them so bad all the time, but especially early, especially in those situations. And so there's a little bit of frustration there for sure. you got to be able to capitalize, got to be able to put things together. And I think – uh, the more you play and the more you get together and the more you understand that situations, the more that the guys on the receiving end of that, of that takeaway go, let's roll. It's our job now to capitalize. And I think, and I think that's, the, that's been one of the, the points of emphasis going in this week was we got to capitalize on, on, on those type of things and not let them slip away. And you said before that Dre told you on the sideline that he was going to make a big play. He's made a lot mm-hmm. of big plays so far early. Talk about his impact, especially from his position, the nickel position, that gets a lot of attention. How difficult is it to make that kind of impact from that spot? Well, I mean, he, he's one example. I, I, he did. He, Dre was one example. Um, he said it. He said, I'm going to make a play. I'm coming in. I'm going to put a play. We talked about it during the week. He practiced like it during the week, and he did. He made a play, believed himself. And I think that just goes to show the confidence he's got in what he's doing, where he's at in the game, what's happening, what he's seeing, and obviously himself. And I think 
That's happened a couple times. Ricky, at, on another point in the game, said, hey, I'm going to make a play. And he made a play late in that game, a uh, big play late in that game. He said he called on the side, I'm going to make a play. Go Call my number, make, I'm going to make a play. There was IAJ said at another point, I'm going to make a play. Uh, I think when you start hearing that, man, as a coach, you're like, man, these guys feel confident, man. It's, it's really not, it's awesome to hear that these guys feel confident enough to pull the pin do things right, be disappointed within the, within the system, and then go get it, you know? And I think I haven't had that. We haven't had that, and, and, uh, and, and it's really good to hear that. Head coach Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Show. Hello, Las Vegas. Hello, Sunset Over the Strip. Intermountain Healthcare is here to be part of your Las Vegas life, and they're here to help you live an even healthier one. Intermountain Healthcare, official healthcare partner of UNLV Athletics. We'll take a break, come back with our final moments with head coach Marcus Arroyo right after this in the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Rebel fans, it's time for the Coach's Look Ahead, presented by Pueblo Medical Imaging. Caleb? Looking ahead to North Texas, new opponent, new week. Obviously, coaches probably already neck deep into the game planning, but looking at this North Texas team, another transfer quarterback. This one's a little different style-wise. Obviously, we've seen things on film, but one of the unique things about it, this guy's 29 years old. Coach, have you have you ever played against or coached a guy playing the quarterback position that's twenty nine or, or or overage, I guess, for the college game? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I'd have had to do the the birth records on a couple of games. I think I played BYU back in the day a few times, but I don't <laughs> I I don't I haven't had uh, not not nothing I can think of. Um, it'd either be a, a baseball guy, right, or, or a military guy, and I I I probably have. I just nothing that sticks out. Yeah, so yeah, I mean this that. Get, we talk about maturation as a quarterback a lot. Just age does it does it benefit you to be older, or do, do those do those years have to be spent around the game? Because I I know me at twenty, he's closer to my age than anybody on the roster. But at my age now, I think I learned the game a little bit more just from time being around it. Um, do you think that that plays a, a part in how maybe his demeanor on the field will will be different than quarterbacks you faced in the past? Well, I pro- probably just maturity. I, I, you'd hope, right? I mean, you're almost 30 years old. You hope there's just a sense of maturity probably in maybe what you do in your, regu- your regular day life, um, what kind of distractions you have, um, you know, how you take care of your body, how you train. It's probably just probably got a little, little bit different sense than when you're 18 or 19. Um, that's, that's the only thing I, probably, I could probably imagine. I don't know. Um, I think the foot, being around football and doing football and being in it and, and the preparation for the, the game and the physical aspect of it and, and, and kind of the schematic piece, you have to be in it regardless of your age to do it. Um, I think that's all, you know, there's a lot of muscle memory involved with, with anything like that. I think throwing wise is being in baseball that the slot angle is not an issue. So throwing a football is not very different. Um, but there's footwork involved. There's timing. There's the, the schemes and stuff like that. That's probably going to catch up. I think the maturity piece is probably the biggest piece, just just off the field, probably. And offensively, I, you know, Austin's not the the focal point. There's obviously a two-headed monster at running back, and this team, North Texas, looks to be one that's going to be heavy on the run with a mix of play-action pass in there. We talked about the play-action and how it impacts the game. How are you preparing for this North Texas attack offensively? Yeah, I mean they've got they've got they've got a solid group. I think we talked about. I mean, uh, you know, Seth's been there seven years. He's got his culture set. He knows what he wants to do. He's got a He's got some dynamic pieces that he can work with. Um, people have heard the system. He's coached some things, I'm sure, that are more schematic than culture because he's been there for a long time. And um, he's got some guys. I think I think Oscar and, and Roger, and that's, you know, Attaway and Burns and, and Roberts and, and Austin are, you know, four guys in that system. They're going to make it go. We've got to be we've got to be really disciplined. They're going to play fast, and they'll be physical and run the football, play action. we got to be disciplined in the back end with our eyes, and, and we got to continue to play the play we've been playing, a violent, aggressive game, get the ball, and 
get the quarterback. Stop the run. Coach, uh, talking with uh, Lee Fatano on Monday also, he talked about uh, some of the challenges that North Texas faced on the other side of the ball, and he said they tend to load the box. So he discussed the importance of coming up with schemes designed to sort of pick them apart and spread them out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, uh, they do a good job on defense. They've got some active guys um, up front. That, you know, Coach Bennett's been around a long time with his defense. Um, it, it's, it's multiple. He'll come from a bunch of different directions. He's not afraid to, to, to pressure you and go zero wherever. Um, he's not afraid to mix it up and, and bring it off the edges. So we got to be, we got to play discipline football protection wise. We've got to make sure that we're, we're playing catch and, and, and playing our brand of football too. I think that we've, we've showed we'll run the football, uh, effectively. We'll be aggressive as well. Um, and, and we'll be able to run and, and we've got to be able to play catch and be effective, uh, regardless of what, of, of the, what they do. Coach, before we get you out of here, talk about uh, getting fans out to Allegiant. I know there's some good promotions. There's a family pack special, but how important is it to you know make sure there's a nice crowd here, return to home after a competitive game against a Pac-12 team? Well, I just think that there's a there's a there's there's real progress going on, man. I think that there's excitement about in our building. There's excitement about uh, the style that we're we're going to be capable of playing here as the season progresses and continues to grow. Um, I know we're fired up. I think we got a noon kick in Allegiant, which is to me the best place in the country to watch a football game. Um, in an amazing city to do things before and after, man. I mean, what's what, what's a better day? To, what a better time to spend your Saturday afternoon than coming to watch, coming to watch a Rebel football and uh, and, and then shoot, get a nice dinner afterwards. Pack that place, man. Coach, we appreciate it very much. Thanks. We'll see you very soon. You got it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Head coach Marcus Arroyo, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, yours truly, Russ Langer. We appreciate you tuning in. And again, the Rebels kick off Saturday at noon at Allegiant Stadium against North Texas, the Mean Green. They are 2-1. and one. The Rebels come in 1-1. One and one. And we invite you to join us for that one, the third game of the Rebels season. Rebels will be up and running against North Texas. Again, we appreciate you tuning in to the Marcus Arroyo Show. This is the UNLV Sports Network on Learfield. You've been listening to the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.